0: Hello, I'm Conrad Swift and welcome to the Cardano Convo Podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy to digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today I'll be speaking with Lucas, the co-founder and COO of Vent. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, Lucas. It's nice to have you on the show. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and answer a few questions about the work you've been doing with Vent Finance.
1: Hey, man. Thanks thanks so much for having me. It's super excited to to be here. So there are a couple of questions
0: I always ask. To begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? What drew you to crypto in general?
1: Yeah, so my name is Lucas. I'm currently the COO of Vent Finance. Um, I co-founded Vent um, with um, three co-founders here. We're a European-based team um, with offices in Madrid and Dubai. Um, I come from the consulting background. So I'd be working mostly with um, more corporate oriented uh, projects um, at larger corporations or mid-tier corporations that are going larger. So what you, you traditionally like your scale ups um kind of taking a business from fifty to two hundred people all the way up to like a you know five thousand to ten thousand business. Um, so that was really exciting. I worked on that for about three years, uh, mostly around um, technology and basically how you take technology to change organizations. Um, that's what I would be doing. But my co-founders actually have different expertise um, coming from cybersecurity, from firms like Deloitte. Um, we're also working in other environments, specifically like development, um, such as our CEO, for example, naturally. And our CEO, Alex, actually has been running like multiple startups in the past few years. And kind of like brought a bit of this uh, startup vibe as well to the company. Um, So that's kind of like our background and where we come from. Um, We're very international as a team. So I'm originally French. Um, Our CEO is German. Um, our CTO is Lithuanian, but working in the Netherlands. So really, you know, pretty much from from all across um, Europe. Um, but we kind of took Madrid as our as our base of operations. And so compared to a lot of crypto projects, that are fully remote. We do have an office here, and we have a team of ten people working in the office, and then another team in Dubai, um, and then a few remote employees like in Poland, Lithuania, you know, the US, uh, etc.
0: Oh no, that sounds really interesting. Having just being all over the place, it's. It's similar to how just crypto in general kind of is. It's, it's international, has no borders. Could you
1: give us a quick rundown of what Vent Finance is? Absolutely. So Vent Finance is the company that operates the Vent Project and the Vent Token. Um, we're an all-in-one community launchpad ecosystem. So we part from a launchpad as a base of operations. And what we do is we help basically ideate build and grow Polygon and Cardano projects. Um, and I, I'm going to mention those again. It's ideate, build, and grow. Um, and so why we kind of differentiate ourselves from anything else that exists out there is we're a scalable solution that's own-put transparent um, that allows a project to come to us independently of which phase they're at. If they're in fuel full growth mode and they're like, okay, I need resources to build, um, who do i speak to right i want to be on more exchanges i want to have more investors i need um, different resources that's something we can provide if it's someone that's in an ideation phase and says hey i'm a sole founder i'm looking for uh you know a potential tech team or i'm looking for um, i'm looking for funds i'm looking for private funds um, then that's something that we support as well and obviously the ideal um, stage is is where you kind of come and do all three of them with us um, we're obviously ap- absolutely happy to, to kind of help with anything that we can
0: Oh, wow. So just kind of a great place for anybody who's wanting to build anything within the Cardano or Polygon ecosystem to kind of get started, a startup per se, or started up.
1: Exactly. So we're looking in general at, you know, basically startups are classified based on where they are in founding and and, and stage. We typically call like pre-seed or seed um so companies that are actually usually under 10 employees or have a bit of an idea it it works differently in in the crypto space but that's kind of what we're looking for is this very early stage right um it's where you can actually bring most value to the founders or to the initial core teams um and i think it's it's where it's most beneficial for both parties right and and the space is so new it's not like if you've, you've got projects that have been on for like 10 years right i think the, the oldest project you'll find in Cardano is probably like 2 years maybe or 1 year so yeah that's kind of a, it's kind of our story Oh, yeah, it's a relatively new
0: space. And especially for Cardano, I mean, the blockchain industry has only been around. What has it been like 11 years, a little more mm-hmm. than that 12? So, oh, no, you're probably not going to find the Walmarts per se of or these large like 10 year projects
1: yet. I mean, we've got references, you know, we've we've got our references and projects that we love. Um, one of them is, is one of the, um, you know, tech partners that we have Chainlink. It's, it's like a classical integration that everyone wants to do. They have great technology. Um, they've grown really, really nicely through the bear market, which, which is interesting. You know, the bull markets are fantastic, but bear markets are actually at the time when you actually build really, really good products. And it's kind of like a natural selection of the best projects out there. Um, and so we've got these projects we really look up to, obviously like, you know, you've got these chain link ones that that you look at. Um, but there are plenty of other ones out there. You just kind of have to filter them out based on, on what's your reference. We're a four month old project. Um, so that kind of puts things into perspective where it's like, okay, wow, that's cool. Right. Um, we built this much, um, it, it doesn't mean you have to stop. It means you have to continue and continue to progress with an objective, which is the chain links of the world. And then obviously apply that to what you're doing. Um, we have different missions, we have different visions and different strategic actions that we have to take. And I think that that's, that's kind of like, uh, what we need to do in the next two, three years, you know? Oh Yeah. Um, With so many different blockchain platforms
0: to build on, I know you talked a little bit about Cardano and Polygon, but why is Vent Finance building
1: these services on Cardano and Polygon? So the first thing is we were blockchain agnostic when we started. So our project um, actually started in November when we were still working at our previous firms. We're actually looking at what we wanted to do um, within the technology space and we wanted to connect investors with startups. So make sure that the investments were actually great opportunities within the blockchain space and that the, the projects themselves had a really nice and I would say fair solution, which we didn't think existed in current VC models. And so we came out and we said, how can we build this and where can we build this efficiently? Um, And that is the first key efficiently. Um, we loved Ethereum. Actually, we, we invested in Ethereum a, a long time ago. We'd been working on some consensus projects here and there, You know, tested out some smart contracts and different testing environments. So we'd have done stuff like that in 2017 and 18. Um, but then we kind of came to the solution. We said, okay, well, well actually, we, we can't really deploy anything when, if we have to pay $80 for the gas fees. And so our first investor that we got um, back in March, um, we, we built a contract just to get their money um which is kind of like the first proof of concept um, it was very expensive we i think we paid maybe i think it was a 1200 dollars or something in in fees in the end and so obviously you're like wow uh, that's a, that's a lot right but between the deployment costs then kind of testing redeploying testing getting the money retrieving the funds it was just very expensive and so we figured out okay this is not feasible and so while a lot of like our competitors said okay we're going to build on eth first and then migrate towards cardano we said, where can we build this efficiently? Um, And we kind of found that there's these L2s, right? And so we looked at Polygon and we're like, wow, this is amazing. This is something that's very aligned with what we were looking for in terms of interoperability, like scalability, which I mentioned multiple times, and simplicity and security. And those two elements that I said, the security and the simplicity, are something that are really paramount to kind of get mass adoption. And we know it's coming, right? The tendency or the direction is there. Everyone knows it, which is why everyone is investing in that. I don't know anything about Bitcoin and all this stuff, but there's this thing called ADA. I'm putting my money there, right? We've heard it so many times. Um, it's fantastic. What's even more fantastic if, if we're able to build applications or dApps, as they call them, on the best possible chain. And, and that's kind of like, based on that, we went and we said, just, I mean, just pull up CoinMarketCap, right? What's number two and number three? You know, you can't build anything on Bitcoin. But you can build on Ethereum and Cardano. And so that's that's how we chose them. It was a very logical step. We had a great community coming from both of these chains and the interoperability that was open with them um, kind of gave us basically all the potential.
0: Oh yeah. And a thing that I've noticed a lot of projects have been talking about is why they're choosing Cardano or other platforms is, is the gas fees. It's just not feasible to, let's say you're wanting to make daily commerce or you're wanting to build a company that uses smart contracts. If every time you facilitate a smart contract, it costs $80, $50, it's just not feasible. When Even $30,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, would, would you be willing right now, if you had to go to the supermarket and, and you had to pay 50 bucks of your shopping and then you had to pay $30 just in fees... You would just be like, well, "What's what's up, Mastercard, right? What's up, Visa, right?" Yeah. Uh, so, so, and we're complaining with one to two percent fees, which is what you know credit cards and banks are pretty much charging. Imagine having to pay thirty percent, right, or, or however much the gas fees represent. So, that's kind of when Polygon comes in, and when you're just spending nothing, peanuts, sixty cents or something to the dollar, that's when you're like, "Okay, oh, it's ex- it has potential, right?" Oh, exactly.
0: And you also have to think of it. From the other perspective of, yeah, the gas fees, like some people might be able to pay them. But the problem is, it, let's take your grocery example. You go to the store, you're going to buy some eggs, you're going to buy all these things. But then you know there's going to be this $50 charge, for example, to use it. What are you naturally going to do? You're going to do fewer trips, try to make it count for each trip, but then you're going to get less volume of movement because people are going to try to consolidate them into fewer transactions or fewer movements. So it just—it's it, not healthy to facilitate a system like that, or to try okay.
1: to build on that. It kind of reminds me—the was it yesterday or two days ago—that um, testnet went out. I think it was yesterday, um, and there's some—I um, think there's some bottlenecks, exactly what you mentioned, where too many transactions are happening at the same time. Slowly, um, and, and we're only talking about testnet, but slowly we'll see that um, improve, right? In the meantime, it's what you said. It's much better to kind of distribute your transactions across a 24-hour journey than to do them all within like a two to three-hour time frame. And and that will kind of like be paramount to the success or the adoption of of, of Cardano in general, or of a blockchain as a transactional um, as a transactional blockchain, basically, and not just a purely investment aspect where you kind of speculate. If I'm able to actually make a payment and and make it happen within like I don't know two minutes max, then that is when it's useful. If I have to wait over 20 minutes, I think it's funny. We were actually trying to buy our first Cardano NFT yesterday. We kind of tried to use Daedalus and and set up some stuff. And it's just waiting for like half an hour and still didn't have the ADA. It was like, oh, come on. It's like, oh no, network, uh, something was going on. I don't remember what the term they used, but but it pretty much, it was a bottleneck, right? Where you just couldn't take out your ADA. Um, Uh, Yeah. so that is that just sucks as a customer experience, right? And, and we want to like make sure that that doesn't happen until that experience is like you know pretty much smoothened out. Um, we'll be mostly focusing on Polygon and kind of delivering value to our customers through Polygon. And then um, once we are able to kind of match the experience on both of these chains, both on Cardano and Polygon, we'll be able to pretty much. Interoperability, open interoperability to to every project. So they want to launch on one and use a liquidity pool from the other, or they want to you know launch on the other and you know do vice versa or be open on both. You know that's that's something that we can do. Oh you no, know, and
0: kind of pulling from when we were talking about groceries and commerce. Um, I know that this interview will be focused on Vent Up, which is the launchpad. But could you tell us a little bit about Vent Swap
1: and Vent Commerce before we jump back to the launchpad Vent Up? Absolutely. So, the typical journey um, when you launch the token is obviously you have to do something with the token, and the natural place is to go to an AMM, right? Uh, a Dex of some sort. Um, it, whether you build it or someone else builds it on Ethereum, it's clear what happens, right? You would do a, you know, you would go on on any launchpad, and then you would go onto Uniswap, and then everyone goes onto Uniswap and buys and trades and whatever they have to do. It's really cool, um, but we currently don't have that on on Cardano yet, and so. For us, the logical step when we created it in March, April was to say, okay, we need a DEX. We're going to do that. We're going to provide the liquidity for it. And we've got a lot of investors that also want to provide liquidity. So you can open LP pools and you can do, you know, there's there's many things that you can do. Um, we thought that was really exciting. And so we built it into our into our model because it was natural. We now have to kind of like, I think, take a step back at some point. Um, it's still on our roadmap, it's still something we're hyper like hyper focusing on because it's it's necessary to make the experience. Complete. If you launch a token, but you can't trade it, it's useless. Um, yeah. Or at least you can't buy it and sell it. And so that that is kind of like a, a must for us. The question is do we, do we want to do it alone or do we want to partner up with people and do it together? Um, because you don't have 10 DEXs on a chain. You know, if, if I ask you, how, like, how many do you know on you know, on on Binance Smart Chain, I mean, pretty much everyone's going to think about Pancake Swap. Oh yeah, because it's the one with the largest volume, right? The largest liquidity, the largest volume in general of trades. That's kind of what we expect to happen on Cardano, and so it's still a priority. It's still very important for us. the The most, I would say, most pressing issue we have is how do you swap the token, which is where the name comes from. It's not about trading for us. It's really about swapping. We need people to, independently of what they have in their wallet be able to swap it. So if they can swap from ETH to Cardano, if they can swap from a wrap token on Polygon and use that in Cardano, we're kind of fine with it. Um, we are, if, if, if it means we have to build it, we'll build it. If, if there's a solution that we can implement and integrate, kind of our, our approach is we have to add value to our users. It doesn't really matter how. There's a third aspect, which you mentioned, is event commerce. That, however, is a priority, and that is something that no one is addressing it's something that hasn't been seen either in the space. And to give you kind of like the elevator pitch, remember we said we have ideate, build, and grow projects. How do you grow a project is by finding the right resources. And so we said that we didn't want to be an incubator ourselves where we take all projects and manually kind of you know, make them grow as a project and kind of say, okay, now you're ready to launch. What we do is actually give them access to all these resources through the marketplace. Through Event Commerce, so think of it like this way: you you come, you have an idea, you put it on our launchpad, you get the idea, you get some community upvotes, you get some comments that like, hey, comrade, you know, I I don't like this idea, or I would change this in your staking model, or maybe this this token utility isn't actually on point. Kind of go work on it. You go work on it for about a month, and you come back, and you're like, okay, I want to build a prototype. Um, I need some money. Um, And so the public is going to say, well, I won't do an IDO. I I don't trust your team because it's only two people. So we say, okay, can we find some private investors? So you'll go through KYC or KYB, do like a compliant solution. And then all of a sudden, the platform opens up the possibility to raising funds in a private way. So they'll look at your tokenomics, which are built on the platform, and they'll be like, well, this looks like an interesting team. looks like an interesting project. It's a lot more riskier than going straight to a Uniswap and buying something because you still haven't built anything. So obviously, they're going to expect a discount. That's why VCs are good because they take on more risk than a retail investor. Um, so they'll put in some money. Let's say they put in $20,000. They're like, okay, here you go. Come do something with that money. Build me a prototype. And so then you're going to be like, okay, who do I trust? How do I send this USDT or this USDC to someone? And typically what you would do is you just put it on your MetaMask, you know, cross your fingers and then send the money and be like, okay, I hope you do send me the code or something. And um, and we did that many, many times with our different providers. Some experience we had were great. Um, some experience we had were just terrible. Um, and, and that's the reality of the space. You know, people just kind of like try and scam you. Um, other people are just terrible. Their quality isn't great. Other people are just fantastic and no one knows about them. And so we want to standardize that and create the kind of like an upwork for Cardano. And that is exactly what the commerce is. Um, Vent Commerce is the place to go to grow your project and to find the best resources you need, whether that be design, you know, it's all oriented around product, but that's pretty much design, engineering, auditing, exchanges, all of that will live there. Um, and it's like a one-stop shop, literally, where you don't need to think about it. You're like, okay, I need to manage my project. I'm going on to vent up. Um, and I'm going to vent up. And then from vent up, I'll go into Vent Commerce and it's a natural flow for you as a project. And there's, you know zero friction from one place to another. Oh
0: yeah. It sounds like, as you were saying, a natural flow, like natural steps. So starting one, moving to the next, just as your company grows, there's going to be necessities you find and you guys aim to provide those.
1: Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's a process, you know, it's, it's a process, but like you said, it's, you have to become good at one to be able to offer the next one. And you kind of have to be able to consolidate all of these, I would say, learnings from the ecosystems into something that's scalable and that isn't just word of mouth. Word of mouth is great. And you can do that up to a certain level, but like working 20 hours a day is just not sustainable. Right. And so, yeah. you know, we're happy to do it. It's a startup. We, we do it obviously um, with a lot of, um, I would say happiness and, and obviously passion for the space. There will come a point where you just can't do it anymore. Right. Where you saturate, you have to build your team, grow your team, et cetera. And so there's a whole scalability aspect of, this configuration or this strategy that is just fair for everyone, it means we're kind of leveling the playing field for all the projects out there that don't have the best context. You know, imagine you're a creator from, from Africa and you have a fantastic idea and a fantastic dev team because you're part of a fantastic education project. Why should you have less chances than someone that just happens to know a good auditor or happens to know the right people? And, and that's kind of the same way Amazon simplified your buying experience we kind of want to simplify your funding, you know, growing experience as, as a company and specifically as a company within the blockchain space. That is who we're targeting. We have so much growth, you know, to happen still. Let's focus on something concrete, right? And, and this is very concrete, very tangible. Their needs that we know because we've had the same needs. We literally got our audit like three hours ago, which went really well, by the way, but it, nice. it took us so long to get that audit right, and we had to go through three different providers to get the right one. Um, that is something that we want to kind of remove from the friction, um, and, and by providing a solution that does that, and by making it you know pretty much you know inexpensive to the end user, that just creates a lot of value independently of who, who you want to launch with, what launch launchpad you go for, and that creates a name and a positioning for vent. And that's what we're really looking for, right? We're looking to create our own space and kind of our own name tag. Don't call it a launchpad. Don't call it, it's just vent, right? What is Google? Yeah. Google is Google, right? I use Maps, I use Gmail, I use YouTube. We, we don't want to be a, YouTube, a Google of any sorts, um, but we kind of want to have our own category in that way. I don't know if it makes sense. Oh no, that makes sense.
0: Your Your whole platform is vent, but you've got a bunch of sub like functions within Vent, yeah. In the same exactly. way, there's Google, there's Gmail, there's Google Form, there's Google Doc. Like, but people say use Google. So no, I I get what you mean. Um, something I'm sure that many of our viewers and listeners are curious of is what sets Vent up. So the launchpad, apart from its competitors like Card Starter or
1: Occamfy? So the first thing is is recognizing what we do as an ecosystem and and what we do the reason i say ecosystem is because all of these projects that you mentioned, they do more than one thing um pretty much everyone wants to build a deck so that's fine that's cool um but then apart from that it's hard to see what happens right once you've launched your token why are you going to keep collaborating with these with these uh, providers if you want to call them or partners let's let's put it more eloquently um There's just nothing there to do, right? They can help you make some, make a few intros there. But, you know, obviously that this project will be onto the next launch, right? They're going to be okay. I've got my project Z to go onto or project B or project alpha or whatever it is. And so they kind of, you know, they just kind of go to the next next thing on the timeline. For us, because it's scalable, because it's self service. It's completely different in nature. We still support and provide the support that they need. We literally, I think it's one of the only launchers that has a support team. We have like two people that are here 24 hours just to support our customers. And that kind of says that we are here, we are real humans. But at the same time, to be able to deliver this value at scale, we have to make it somewhat automated or self service. And so, what we're building is a tech company, we're building product. Something tangible that you can take away. You can install on your app. You can install on your computer. You can just use it as a web base. Whatever it is, but we're building something tangible, and and that's the difference between a purely manual labor that is self service. That can be of high value, but it's for high value for a very short amount of very very low limited amount of people or projects. Yeah, and I think that that's the biggest thing that the thing of who are we targeting and how are we delivering that value. And then the second is, we're not all about the transaction. A transaction is great. More specifically, an IDO. distributing a token is fantastic. But there's so much more around it, right? And we mentioned just before the marketplace, that is huge. VenCommerce allows us to actually deliver value consistently every day, even in a bear market where you might say, okay, it's not the perfect time to launch. It's the perfect time to build. Go build. Go find your designers. Go find your product guys. You, you know, even if you don't have the liquidity to to a you know four hundred thousand dollar build you still have a liquidity to do 10 transactions with 10 different providers from across the world. And even if that's a lower level project, you're still transacting with our platform. And what that means is you as a project, from a very selfish standpoint, you are still in the you know back of mind of, of this person. They're still thinking about vent, even if they're not you know investing in launches. And that allows us to keep building and improving and iterating our product until we hit that product market fit. And then from a user standpoint, it means actually have a lot of stuff to do with your app. I'm not just going to go there to just kind of check if I'm making money, but I'm actually going to get some value out of it.
0: Oh yeah, and it I've noticed that I've signed up for the Vent program or platform and I've gotten to look at it and it's looking kind of sleek and it's interesting that there are actually places for people to comment. So for example, if there's a concern about a startup, about something going on, you can actually comment and they I imagine can reply to you. So and other people can see this concern,
1: so it can be kind of nailed down pretty quickly. Exactly. So that's kind of touching more on how on the functionality of the launchpad itself. I think that we're very different in nature as a project, which is what you compared. Yeah. Then, as a specific of a launchpad, if you just remove the ecosystem, just let's focus on up purely and yeah. kind of like say, okay, let's focus on one thing. It's also very different because again, we have a product. Um, it's an MVP. What What you're discussing is an MVP. We're actually launching on our VP, but it's we're still launching and, it was, and it's working. It's still not the best thing out there um, by no means. But remember, we built this in under a month. Um, so we've been working for four months, but you know, before we had a team, before we had anything else, we used to have to build a community, support our community, do the dev, do the UI, do the investor stuff. So there's a lot to build within four months. What we expect is to iterate and improve this product and to add more functionality. And the functionality that you started to mention, like the upvotes, like the comments, like the ratings, all of these aspects are to help both of our community members, investors, to kind of find research in like a centralized place, one page where they go, they look at the project, and they know what's going on. But for the investor, actually, from the investor, it's actually also interesting that you're able to kind of learn from what's going on in the backend, because you can see, okay, what are tokenomics? Why are they talking about it, Right. Um, As a project, you get this feedback before you hit the market. Instead of having a flop and having a terrible launch, you're actually hearing the concerns of your potential community way before you launch. And and that kind of shows that we are a community launchpad. We get the feedback from the community and we actually list any project. Um, and, And we have to differentiate launches from listings. And that's important to do. But we do not endorse any listing of any type. A launch is something that we approve. Um, a listing is something that you can do so you can go and list on Airbnb list your room list your house right if people actually rate you with five stars continuously successfully for like 50 reservations then Airbnb will kind of like you know indirectly endorse you because they're showing a five star rating on Airbnb Think of it the same way if if we're able to kind of show a five star rating on a project, We're kind of endorsing them and say, okay, now we want to launch them. Now you're ready for an idea or you're ready for an ISPO or a private resale. Until you get that positive traction and approval from the community per se, we will not trust that project or not dedicate resources to it. Oh, of
0: course. And I mean, one of the key phrases with cryptocurrency is don't trust, verify. And it makes sense that just because you've listed doesn't mean that that platform is endorsing you at all. But it's also nice for these investors, for not only the investors, but for those who are developing on the platform itself to kind of see the punches coming. Like they may have missed something and the community might go, what about this? And go, oh, instead of, as you said, going to market and then this just hitting them, like clocking them right in the head going, oh, you didn't do this. So therefore, you're now paying where it's better to make a mistake whilst you're getting things going than to bring it to market find out the mistake and then have to try to do it again because it's hard to repair reputation
1: once you've messed it up that like at launch like that so dude yeah 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 no that's it it's like this what do they call it? like like do your own research um how do you empower do your research is easy to say um it's even harder to kind of tell them do your own research but let me provide you the tools to do it yeah. Um, and and the way I would kind of like compare this to is like that you, you've got these packages, right? That are you know super hard to open, right? They're just, they're just opening the bubbles or things. When Apple adds a tiny seal to kind of help you pull it out within thirty seconds, it's still a packaging, but it's just so much easier, right? We're doing the same thing. We're not going to open the box for you. You have to do that responsibly, and you are in control. What I'm going to do is kind of give you the tools to make it easily, right? To make that process as easy as possible. So if I can give you a potential reputation score based on what they've done with their wallet, then I'm going to provide that to you. If I can give you comments from other community members, it's value that we're bringing shared, right? We're bringing shared value. I'm bringing the, the platform, the technology, the community is bringing the content because they they have to comment. If there's no comments, there's, there's no value, right? Um, and, and so all these small things that we're adding are actually... Providing a better investment process for investors, for retail investors, more specifically, but it's also providing a lot of value for the project creators because ultimately they're going to get token holders that actually want their token, not just speculative token holders from a DEX, but actually really interested community members. So we're thinking about, you know, can you integrate this with the Telegram group? Can you do this? Can you do that? So many potential opportunities there. We're looking at that um, because you're able to like add your Telegram handle when you register. Maybe actually, once a project has upvotes, they can say create Telegram group and bang, everyone joins all of a sudden. Like, wow, well, that'd be cool, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. We're kind of still looking into it. Remember, we're still, as I said, we've built an MVP. We're going to release um, our version one of the launchpad. I think it's in the next two months. Um, so, so you know, expect exciting updates and expect a lot higher UI level. I would say in general, but it's already the right you know, a a good step, a right step in the right direction. Of course. And I don't think
0: anybody's expecting you if they're if somebody's putting a product or a project on your platform, they're not expecting you to build it for them that they or at least they shouldn't if they are. It's Mm -hmm. you're going to have to put in the legwork yourself. You're just providing, as you said, the tools like it. It would be similar to if you're doing carpentry, if you're having to use a rock, all you're doing is saying, here's a hammer like this is going to help you out, but we're not going to build whatever you're building for you. Like we're just gonna mm-hmm. help make it easier to build. So no, I I don't imagine many people. Are, I at least hope they aren't looking at it as though oh, Vent will be doing it. No, no, you'll have to still do the work. Like,
1: but- so we'll see. I mean, the beginning, the beginning. Everyone needs help. Um, it's it's unfair for us to say that we didn't receive help. I mean, we we got a lot of help from Darmaker, for example, and you know we really appreciate the work that those guys did for us, and and they're coming from the Eve ecosystem. And they're helping out a Cardano project. So it's it's interesting because I think that while there is a lot of hate within this space, um, and and I'm gonna, I don't even know how to put it, like how to phrase it, but I mean, a lot of people just hate on other chains, and there's no point in saying that. We all know that crypto is gonna like be a real thing, you know, although people just go on Bloomberg and say no, it's all bubble. That isn't true. We see that there's tangible value that we consistently deliver. And when I say we, I say the whole crypto community, whether that's an NFT project, a gaming project, uh, you know, DeFi in itself is huge, right? And it keeps growing and growing and growing. We just need to be very proactive and kind of help each other out instead of saying, you know, fuck you, I don't like you. And pardon the French, but that's actually yeah. what we're kind of doing when we kind of like, you know, just, just kind of insulting other chains. Interoperability is going to be key we really want to be one of those players that does that. And I think that that kind of is reflected by the strategic projects that we start, such as, you know, automatic and all of that stuff and, and being able to help projects out from the beginning is something that we will do um, more of a hands-on approach now because it's necessary and because our product is still, you know, kind of in the oven. Um, so that means that, yes, you know, the experience won't be as flawless or as frictionless as we'd expect it to be in a year's time in the meantime, expect 120% dedication from our team. If we can make an intro, we'll make that intro. If we need to sit down and spend two hours with you on Soconomics, we'll spend the two hours. um, What we can do is expect to do to build a business model that is based on 120% on every project. You need to build a business model that is scalable, that is positive for the community and that delivers value consistently. And and that is what we're aiming for. And then in the meantime, you know, hustle and wrestle guys, you need to work, right? And and that's kind of the, the key message from our side.
0: Oh, yeah. So I know you touched a little bit on the Atomatic Bridge, so I think we'll go a little bit in that direction. We know that, as you said, Vent Finance is providing tools and a platform for early Cardano and Polygon projects. My initial thoughts brought me to some news about Vent partnering up with MELD and the creation of the Atomatic Bridge. Could you tell us a little bit about the Atomatic Bridge and why it is valuable or important for Vent?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like we said in the intro, we're a project that is Cardano based. We're a Cardano project. We happen to have presence on Polygon. We recognize interoperability. Let's start from there. And so, we're very pragmatic about how we approach that. We knew we wanted to have an MVP because of all this learning that we mentioned. If we had not learned any of this over the past four months, it would have been useless to kind of just sit there, raise the funds, and be like, well, just waiting on smart contracts, you know? Yeah, we're not doing anything. Um, that, yeah. that would be relatively easy. Like, I mean, yeah, you'd be able to build UI and build partnerships and, and build different things here and there. Um, But ultimately, a lot of people are actually testing things out. Even the competitors that you mentioned, they've built stuff on Ethereum, on, you know, other change, whatever. They've built stuff. Um, that is really important. It doesn't really matter um, how you build it, if it's the best thing there. What's really important is you take a key learning and you test it out. And so we tested things out in Polygon. Um, it worked out really well. Smart contracts were very happy with how they perform, the the, the speed at which they execute. This, this complexity that we're adding in functionality reflects into complexity into the contracts um, and specifically staking, vesting, and kind of transactions in the marketplace. This You, you need really efficient um, blockchain to do that. And so Polygon was there. Now you do need liquidity for that. And so we said, okay, where do we bring liquidity from? And so we knew that we had Cardano, we knew that we had Polygon, and then we had no way to bridge them. And so we kind of looked out there and said, okay, can we go from Polygon back to Ethereum, then into, into Cardano? Because that was the ETH converter. Um, but that was super expensive because actually when, you break, when you're when going from Polygon to ETH, it's very expensive. From ETH to Polygon, it's quite cheap. But from Polygon to ETH and then to Cardano, it would be like, whoa, way too expensive. And so we yeah. said, well, uh, who else is experiencing this issue? Um, and so we kind of looked out there. We looked at you know large um, Cardano projects, and that's how we found Melt. And we met, Um, We say we we said, okay, this is really cool what you guys are doing. They're also exploring other other um, ways of raising funds. And so, as a launchpad or as a growing ecosystem, we were super happy to kind of you know learn from from their experience and build something together. And ultimately, we had the opportunity to be like, well, oh, they also need liquidity. We need liquidity. Um, how about we build a you know a platform, a bridge to build that liquidity across these chains? And and this is giving us access to you know the second and third largest blockchains out there. Ethereum through Polygon and Cardano number three, and and that is you know really exciting because it it means again it's not just about us. I, I love to talk about Vents, but remember it's it's about the space. And if Mel does something that's positive for the space, it's positive for us as well. And and that's kind of the key takeaway of this ecosystem project. AdaMatic is very simple in its nature. It's a bridge from Ada to Matic and from Matic to Ada. It helps you take a token, wrap it, put it on the other chain, and vice versa, and bridge that liquidity. That's how we're building it. We're building it with different players from the space. We want to take on all the best possible partners to do that, whether that's node operators because it's fully decentralized, or development partners that say, hey, I have a great engineering team. I can contribute half an engineer a week to kind of review some of your code. Let's do that, right? We all benefit from security. We all benefit from best products. And we need to build this tooling For yesterday, right? That's kind of the message we all want to move forward. And we knew that because everyone was very busy, we wanted to do it together. And that's how we got to to Adamatic.
0: Yeah. And something I know you touched a little bit on was kind of this, as I term it, kind of tribalism with chains, but also Mm -hmm. on a lesser scale, this kind of seems to be between projects because somebody will say, this Oracle is better than this Oracle when they're in the same space. When we can go like, okay, when there's going to be a launch, there's gonna be a lot of need for oracles. Wouldn't it be better to have multiple that can kind of work together and create fail-safes and in the same way? Just like when people look at, oh, well, there's for example, Occamfy, there's meld, there's vent, to instead go, oh, they're all competing, going or to increase liquidity within the space and rise like raise all boats because of the rising tide, like all work together to a certain extent. I mean, there are, comp- there are competitors in certain senses, I get that. But there's also points at which it would be mutually beneficial for everyone to kind of, like prisoner's dilemma style, everyone work together because this will benefit everyone.
1: Agreed, agreed. I mean, some of it makes a lot of sense. Um, other places, it's really hard to collaborate because there's, there's a lot of like uh, confidential stuff that projects don't want to share, and, yeah. and I understand that competitive advantage. But this is kind of like I remember I had one of my advisors when I was back at college. He's like, "If you want me to sign an NDA to hear about your idea, then." go tell your idea to someone else. He'd said an idea is as valuable as how you execute it. And I think that within the crypto space, very people are actually very pragmatic about it as well. They're not too like picky about it. And so they're, they're more willing to collaborate than you would in a traditional corporate environment, at least. At least that's what, what I've experienced. Having said that, it is really hard to take an idea from collaboration and say, yeah, we're doing a partnership to actually saying, are we actually working together from a day-to-day basis, right? And, and something like Adematic is, is very good because it's it's um, neutral to a certain way. It doesn't really matter how you're going to bridge or why you're bridging the asset. Ultimately, you're bridging an asset. And tooling is something that you can collaborate on very easily. So we saw, hey, actually, through the tooling, we are like, okay, this works really well. We're, we're working well with Meld. We're kind of aligned. We have similar culture and company values. Um, so we said, okay, cool. Let's, let's keep working together. And we do more stuff together, right? Um, there'll probably be other partners where... We kind of start working with them. Well, uh, actually, we don't exactly agree on how we work, or maybe uh, they work in different ways, or we don't have great communication. Yeah. Um, then it's harder to work together. And so I agree that there should be more collaboration. But again, it really depends on how you build your team. If it's a real, if it's like a real company structure that that is organized, and and that's kind of the chaos of decentralization as well, right? It, it becomes so decentralized sometimes that it's just impossible to collaborate across companies right because you're actually tying out all these different little blocks so imagine like a lego um game and you kind of have to try and put all the pieces of the puzzle together that's kind of how we're experiencing it um it's it's hard to find the best players and the best partners but you know at least we're working on it and and i think that a lot of those other projects are as well
0: oh of course and it is a good a balancing game per se it's And I imagine decentralization makes it a little bit harder because, for example, when I have to explain decentralization to somebody, the easiest way is like if I throw a baseball, you'll catch it like it's right there. It's all right there. Pretty all in one piece. But the other example is I pull out a bag of marbles and tell them, "Okay, get ready to catch like it's a lot harder to do that. So I know it's a it's a juggling slash balancing act on that. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of people see that difficulty as well, because it's it's a new frontier like decentralized systems, decentralized companies in their own essence, that's, that's something kind of
1: new and unique to the blockchain space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why we opted for a bit of a balance. Um, you mentioned it was very exotic or very you know, interesting and international as a team. We tried to always gather up as a team at least you know, once or twice a year, kind of creates this bond um, between employees, team members, core contributors, whatever you want to call it. Um, the structure in itself might change. The human dynamics don't really change. Um, you're still working with people. We're not working just with machines. And and while you can kind of like make it as, I'd say, non-human as you want, like saying, okay, now I'm just contributing to a you know Git repository. Um, and I don't really know who I'm talking to. You're ultimately going to have to like, jump on a call, um, Slack with someone, exchange a message, exchange, exchange some type of communication, even if it's a if it's a comment on that kit uh, or a ticket that you open. Um, that communication aspect can be facilitated to a point where even if we're decentralized, even if we're across the world, it's efficient. And so I, I do think that there's still a lot to learn from, from startups. There's still a lot to learn within the crypto space. Um, and, and we kind of hope to kind of maybe instill some of these values or these best practices to our projects. So it, it's not like we're not an incubator. I know that I did start with that. I think that we do some of the values that an incubator does, just we're do it. we able to do that at scale. We're able to take our values and make sure that we implement the best practices at, at our company level. And then all the startups that kind of work with us um, and all these project creators that ultimately come to VentUp and raise some funds or comes to Vent commerce and uses some of the marketplace providers, they'll come out of it Saying, okay, I actually took away a lot of learnings, right? I know now how to project manage within a decentralized space. I know how to organize my project workflow. I don't know, like what did you take away, right? And and that is really important, right? If if you learn more than what you put in, then something is right. It it can't be sustainable for long term. Like obviously, we we should at some point we should have experts within this space. And it's not every day it's like, oh, well, this is a great learning opportunity, but um. Yeah. But until then, I think that there's going to be like this huge learning curve for the next two years where you'll, you'll see these projects that raise like, and kind of raise the bar of the expectation. And I think that, you know, Meld, for example, and, and Vent have the potential to be some of those larger projects. And it's not just about the race that they're doing, right? Not just monetary race, but actually the amount of work that you put in and the effort you put to build an organization, not just a final product.
0: Oh, of course. Um, I know we talked a little bit on Polygon and then to Cardano. So bridging, Um, does Vent Finance plan to offer these services or solutions to other developing blockchains
1: in the future? So the blockchains um, we're open to are exactly the ones you mentioned, Cardano and Polygon. Let's take it to the technical level, the code base. That means we're developing in Haskell and in Solidity. Um, Our internal focus in terms of basically designating resources and hiring Is Haskell focused? We want to develop a Haskell expertise and we want to develop a whole kind of like security team around Haskell. We still don't know how it's going to perform within the Plutus environment. We don't know what are the security threats and the vulnerabilities that are going to happen there. And that is what's going to define adoption and kind of the scalability aspect that we said. If you're able to do uh, half a million raise securely and in the right timing, like you're able to do today on ETH then that will be successful. Once we've done that, if if that happens within six months and we're like, okay, well, now we have a lot of engineers that are available, um, then sure, why not? Why don't we explore other stuff? Until that happens, I think it's really important to be able to kind of concentrate within one space. Um, And when I say one, I mean, you know, one, two. You can't say... I know that there are launch pads out there. They say, no, we're fully interoperable. We just do all chains. It doesn't really matter where it is. And, you know, I do BSC, I do Ethereum, I do Polygon, I do Cardano, I do Solana. And it's like, it's great. But how are you even supposed to build a community around that? I'm not even talking about the engineering aspect, but that these communities clash at some point, whereas Polygon and Cardano are actually quite aligned. And so, yes, that's slightly different, but they're aligned. Remember, we're talking about scalability, security, speed, and kind of like these checkboxes tick are ticked on both sides of these chains. And so for us, it was just, it naturally worked. And that's why automatic bridge works. It works because we kind of have the same features on both ends of the equation. And so if you ask me, you know, will we be on Solana? I can't tell you yes or no, because we haven't explored it. Um, we won't be able to tell you that until we kind of finish exploring Solidity and Haskell for the two chains that we're on. Once we kind of know where we're at and where that is evolved with our roadmap, unless something crazy goes and Solana becomes like the third blockchain out there, yeah. I doubt we'll kind of like uh, switch our, our trajectory. You know, we're very dedicated to Cardano and that is the community that we're part of.
0: Yeah. Getting kind of everything solidified first before moving on to other projects or other blockchains is probably the best way to go about it. And again, as you said, if there's a launch that's going, we're going all these different chains, it doesn't matter. Well, as you said, there's kind of that tribalism you have to get past. Cause how are you going to build like, when you have two blockchains that kind of war with each other, their communities, at least it's going to be really hard to sell the idea of working
1: between those blockchains. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that that the community aspect is something that maybe is kind of uh, comes in last where it should come in first. The first thing we bought, we we built wasn't our product. The first thing we built was our community. And so I I, I'm happy that we have it as part of our naming. I think that, that we always refer ourselves as to, you know a community launchpad it, it it's there for a reason um the community is what drives what you build how you build it and where you build it and the where is the, the big thing will we be able to kind of develop such a strong following that if we take this 40,000 community and say hey would you mind moving chains i think they will i think i, I think there, there's if if you're strong enough and if you're logical with your steps if Solana actually built something that's like, wow, this is amazing. Everyone wants to move there. And literally everyone is moving there. If there's actually really good arguments, I think you can convince people. They're not just, you know, people are actually you know, more clever than you expect. Having said that, until something crazy like that happens, I think it's better to kind of have an open discussion with the community and say, how can we build the best thing we can? We set ourselves to build within Cardano, And then we'll figure it out, right? But oh, first... Yeah. Do what you did, right? Like do what you set yourself to do and kind of make make sure you fix that problem because you before you kind of bring more problems to the table. And that's why you asked about the decks, you asked about the commerce, you asked about the thing. It, it's great that we talk about that. But remember, the first thing we're building is a launch pad. And so we'll build a really good launch pad and we'll build a really good marketplace. And then if we can continue to build more functionality and and, and build a decks and build all that stuff, and absolutely we'll do it. And and that expertise will come from this experience that we have from building. Solutions on Cardano, um, and I think that that's kind of like a good way also to to kind of wrap up our approach. You know, it's it's not like we're. You know, you, you look at large companies that, I mean, even look at Tesla, for example, in the way that they did it, right? They they started building a car, but how did, are they a car company? Now they're also doing, you know, they, they have like this energy company aspect as well with the powers and everything that they had from, from Solar X. And then, you know, they have so many aspects there and now they just have like a human, you know, robot there. And it's like, wow, I mean, what on earth are they doing? Um, they consistently deliver value, um, but they start delivering value from day one. They built a car. It was an expensive car, but they started building value from day one. We're going to kind of do the same thing. We have a roadmap. We know the direction that we're taking. Who knows what type of product we'll be building in four years. Um, and, and that is also kind of like the message. We're, we're building for a long term, guys. Um, it, it's really hard to kind of build a solid foundation because sometimes it's kind of frustrating. It takes time. You need to get the right people, the right resources, the right money, the right business model. You can't just infinitely build a business from a token raise. You know, it's a lot of money. Yes, we we raised a million dollars, but you spend money real quickly as well because auditors are expensive, developers are expensive. Yeah, everything is very very expensive, and so we're building long term. We're starting with the launch pad. We'll build more cool stuff. We'll listen to your feedback. We'll implement this feedback, and then hopefully deliver a lot of value. I think that that's the that's kind of the key takeaway.
0: Oh, we're looking forward to seeing all this come to life. I know you touched a little bit on steps as well as how much you raised, so I wanted to jump to that for a moment. Um, I know mm-hmm. that VENT has successfully raised over $1.1 million in venture capital, which congratulations. And there's news of a DEX or an initial DEX offering or IDO taking place on September 10th. Correct. To that end, I was wondering if I could ask a few questions about the VENT token and the IDO. Of course, the first one being is Vent still on track to provide the IDO on September 10th, or is there a different date that we should be looking forward to?
1: Yep. It's, it's, it's happening September 10th, you know, I'm touching wood just in case uh, something happens, but we did receive, like I said, we received our final audit from our third auditing company. Um, so, so that's kind of like a successful re-implementation of contracts. Um, some of the things are done more manually from a purely security standpoint, we have a very I'd say it's a bit comp- complex, um, but it's like the best way to guarantee a successful launch on the 10th of September, which is a multi-dex approach. Um, so we launch um, or we distribute our tokens through VentsUp, through our launchpad, but we also did a strongholder offering on Dowmaker on our partners, um, launchpad, Delpad. That kind of means that first we need to distribute the tokens to these people, um, they're kind of going to be locked for a tiny bit of time while the dexes are set up, which could could take like from you know basically two to ten minutes approximately. And we're going to be launching on Uniswap and PancakeSwap at the same time, um, again with a one minute delay maybe or like a few seconds or something. Um, as soon as we're live there, we'll also be on a centralized exchange just for those uh, users that actually need a, like a ramp. So they want to bring fiat or they want to bring euros or dollars or whatever. They can use a centralized exchange and do it through them and kind of hold everything there on a trading account. Um, and that is Gate, So, you know, very, performing really, really well if you check um, exchanges out there. And then in a few days, we'll also have QuickSwap. Um, so that kind of addresses Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Polygon, um, really exciting. We'll be doing the same thing as soon as something similar exists on Cardano. So I know that a lot of people have concerns as to will you bridge your token? This is an ERC twenty token. How are you going to bring it onto the CNT network? Um, we'll be bringing this to Cardano using either the Polygon bridge that we're building ourselves. So we have po- Polygon bridged assets or wrapped Polygon assets. We could use Atomic to do that and take them to to Cardano. Or we can just um, keep the native ELC twenty token and just use the native bridge that is built by um, IOHK, and so kind of have you know many many options to bridge. I, I don't think that that's kind of the concern for us. It's more about when we want to do that and um, and how, like strategically, how do we want to do it? Do we want to do it through a dual launch? So a launch that happens on both chains. Um, it, that's kind of like uh, the the argument there. But absolutely, to answer your question, we're on track for the tenth of September. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be very busy. Um, it's going to be an all-day event. So starting it, I think we're probably going to stay in the office on Thursday night because it's starting at 6 a.m. on Friday. Um, so CET on our, on our time will start from 6 a.m. and it's going all the way until 12. Um, so it's going to be very, very exciting. I guess the weekend is also going to be an interesting moment to kind of follow the, follow the token and its performance. And then we will start with an aggressive campaign post-launch So on Monday. I think that that would be the Monday, the thirteenth or something like that, or Monday, the twelfth, we'll start with an aggressive campaign to kind of reactivate all the you know all of our community members, kind of understand, hey, do you guys have any concerns, any worries? Do you want to keep talking about the product, and the functionality so it's 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 an exciting few weeks coming up, um, and yeah, I definitely invite you to go purchase our token. you know this is not financial advice yeah. anyway. <laughs> Oh, of course. But I did have a lot of questions about the
0: vent token. That was one of them because I saw that it was an ERC 20 token. So I was wondering how that would be implemented on Cardano, which I know you've just talked about, which thank you very much for that. That answered a lot of my questions on that aspect. The other question I did have was, is what are the utilities of the vent token? Like, what are the use cases of the vent token?
1: First and foremost, I think that the, the latest one, it's it's the most external one of the launchpad um, because but we just mentioned it is we obviously need to port tokens across different chains. And Atomatic played a key role there. On Atomatic, you're going to be able to use both MEL token and VENT token to basically pay the fees. Um, the fees are actually just going to be redistributed to basically the node operators and then kind of like pay the development of the bridge itself. So that's the first thing that you can use it. That's kind of like agnostic. It's kind of a bonus um, of why you want to hold VENT. Independently of that, remember, we're building an ecosystem and VENT will play a key part in that ecosystem. If you want to launch um, a project, you're probably going to need VENT to int- like basically interact with different services that are happening. So if you want to do a transaction, a secure transaction with a provider, such as an exchange or a private round or something, you'll probably need a bit of VENT. Not a lot, but you'll need a bit of VENT to kind of like secure that transaction and that contract. What this kind of guarantees is that we're creating a very strong network of community members that actually hold vent and that actually are aligned on the same goals, right? So if you're a a holder of vent, you're probably going to want to invest in projects as well. And so by holding and staking vent, you generate these points, which is our staking model that is then going to actually be able to kind of translate into investing in projects, into allocations, and so this model that is very simple because it's based on how much money do I have? How many points do I have? Um, it's kind of benefiting investors to get access to project. Today, that's very hard to do on other launch pads because either you got in really early or it's just you know pretty much impossible to even buy one token of theirs. That's the first um, aspect within the launch pad. The second is... Obviously, once you have vent, it's in itself, it's a good investment product if it performs well. And so by having subsequent launches and by having inherent utility, the token price will go up. Um, it, there will come a point where it will stabilize and, and kind of like consolidate at a certain level. We still don't know what that price discovery will be. Um, will it be you know, 10 times the opening price or will it be you know three times the opening price? We're kind of fine as long as at some point it kind of stabilizes. And once that consolidation happens, it's still a very interesting um, investment to make because you can participate in governance within the space. And that's the key to a community based launchpad. Remember this upvoting that we were mentioning, the commenting that we were mentioning. If you do hold vent, once you participate in the ecosystem, this will reward you in points. Um, and so by holding vent, you can say, actually, I don't agree to this project. I think it's a terrible project. I think it's a scam. Yeah. Uh, if you, the more vent you own, the more your reputation core as well, based on how many actions you have. And if you hold tokens or if you dump tokens, et cetera, you will be able to kind of have a vote and have a say in what happens in Vent. And so it doesn't mean you can decide whether we hire a CMO or not. Um, people think that you know having governance means that then the team is not responsible. Absolutely not. You still have a team and a management team that is in control of the project. Um, it just means that we do listen and calculate the vote of what people say. So really important token decisions on the network and on our ecosystem in, in itself will be driven by the feedback and by the votes that we get from the ecosystem governments.
0: Okay. So it has a governance functionality to it. When you're talking about staking, do you just get these like reputation points or these points to use on the system or do you get vent token as well? I That's the part I
1: wasn't sure, so sure about. So you've got two things. Typically staking rewards, you get you get access to a tier and then you get the staking rewards and vent token itself. For us, it's also a mix. The only thing is instead of getting straight access to the tiers, um, you get points. The reason why is because not everyone wants to participate in every project. Um, so imagine you just want to skip this one, but you're still staking. It's like, well, I've been staking for three months. Why am I going to like just waste my my investment, like I might as well invest right now that I've staked. And so ultimately, what what happens is if it's a guaranteed allocation, the allocations are tiny and the investors that are part of this community, they're actually, not all of them are interested. They just, because they were staking the pool, they're just like, well, I I might as well just um, kind of take my allocation, my spot. And so what we're creating is actually a model that it's a lot more fair for the end user and a lot more fair for the project because they actually get interested investors. So it's very simple. You stake Vent You get the points you get some rewards but most importantly you get the points and then you spend those points with a very simple model where it says do you want a thousand dollar allocation or do you want a two thousand dollar allocation and based on supply and demand it's basically you know you just bid on that allocation and then you spend your points but instead of spending real money you're actually spending this these tokens per se these points that you have on your wallet okay no
0: i see the functionality then that clears that up significantly A completely different direction and question is, what are some of the largest challenges that you guys have faced in developing VENT?
1: The biggest one is finding the staking model. (laughs) That's the the staking model and evolving the tokenomics. I'd say the project changed a lot from when we started to to where we're at now. Investors have been quite useful and quite um, comprehensive to the changes that we've had. It's really hard to find the right balance and the right metrics for everything because things change, markets change. We were about to launch in in the middle of a kind of like the end of a bull market. No, no K wells, no marketing support at all. Um, when we, you know, this was like the May market, right? That was super hard. Yeah. And all of a sudden, even though our providers are just like, you know, no one was answering, no one was doing anything. Some, some people just went, you know, it disappeared, no more telegram, no more answers. We just had, well, was this a scam? <laughs> what happened to our money? You, wanna, you know, kind of, it was a bit worrying for us at, at some point. Um, and then thankfully the market came back. Um, and so now we come to a point where we're like, okay, in retrospect, we're so lucky that we did launch um, because now is a great time. At the same time, we've learned so much on different areas. As I said, tokenomics was a really really hard one and that's kind of why we always insist now that projects do that right and 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 get the right investors and get the right advisors to help them with that from the early stage if you get that wrong and you want to change them after six months it's really really hard to then go back and change it for everyone and and your community will obviously really appreciate it if you go the extra mile to make sure that your tokenomics are you know really really good That's the first aspect. The second one is obviously finding really good members of your team. So you've got your core founding members, but then you've got all the people that are going to support you. And so when I say team members, that's advisors that are going to give you guidance. It's also going to be like your developers that are going to help you build those contracts, your auditors and how they're going to kind of give you security feedback so you don't get a hack or at least you're protected against the hack. Um, That is really, really hard. (laughs) And we we still struggle with that. We still struggle with that, and specifically within Haskell, there's not a lot of Plutus developers, and so that's even harder, right? And so how you find that, how much you pay your headhunters for that as well, Um, I think it's kind of like the, you know, everyone's in the jungle, kind of trying to find, you know, the the best Mm -hmm. talent out there, and that is really really hard. So I think that those are kind of like the biggest issues we've had to deal with. We still haven't had to deal with security aspect yet, Um, but the space is kind of it's. It just comes with the security aspect, right? And everyone is getting attacked. Everyone is getting, you know, basically has has to be vulnerable in some way. And so, well, it's something we're going to have to deal with. We're preparing for it. Um, we've got some really good advisory members that have joined our team as well, um, specifically around security. So that's something we are preparing to deal with, um, but we know will be kind of a, something that will come up. We don't know when, hopefully never, um, but you know that it's something you have to deal with. And so, yeah, I think that those that kind of like is a good summary of the biggest pain points that we've had in the journey. Oh, I know security is
0: just it's paramount within each project. And I know Polygon, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, had a hack a couple like a month or two ago. And it was a whole debacle where the hacker had stolen like so much funds, but then the hacker actually gave them back like it was like an actual drive. I've watched like so many videos, like just on the whole play out because it was a unique situation and it was because yeah. how much was taken, it would like, there's no way you could launder that.
1: And yes. they shut so up. it wasn't, it wasn't poly on themselves. Right? I mean, I must say yeah. like you have to separate the network from, oh, of course. from, from the chain itself. So this was poly network. And it was actually like more than 600 million. So, you know, considerable amounts if you, if you think yeah. about it, um, Indeed, ultimately, you've got a lot of like white hackers out there that are kind of trying to point out that there's a lot of vulnerabilities. And that also points out that as a developer and as a project, you have to make sure you know what you're putting out there. It's not the same to put out a smart contract that is just for fun, for, for a project that's raising $1,000, $3,000, than it is to do a half a million dollar raise for a project. People trust you um, and people trust your development skills to be able to build grow their business. And so you kind of have like this huge responsibility within crypto that I'm not sure everyone kind of maybe takes seriously in some way. Um, and absolutely it's, it's, it's not an insult. It, it's not, it's not pointing fingers at people. It's oh, just showing that the industry is still very young and we still have a lot to learn. And, and kind of that's why we said, okay, what can we learn from other chains? What can we learn from, from other um, potential businesses? Um, businesses that also deal with this type of issue, such as finance businesses. You know, we kind of always hate banks and we hate what they do. But ultimately, you kind of know that, you know, when you open your bank account or when you open your Revolut or whatever it is, your money's going to be there. And you can't say the same thing about crypto today. You still always have that little bit of scare where it's like, will I ever lose my tokens? And um, and yeah, and there's there's, there's not much to do. So like, if you want to kind of give the ad, um, ad space here, I would say that, you know, i say the insurance projects will will kind of also rise and shine. Um, we partner up with some some different people there. I think it's still also a super new space but we will need insurance. We will need security providers. We will need, you know, there's so much so much to build. And 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 that's that's really exciting as well. If if you ask me like one of my you said what are my biggest pain points, but at the same time what excites me most is that we know that there's so much to build. So we really hope that someone comes up with that idea that says, you know what, I want to build this and then comes to us and says, help me build it. Um, help me connect me to, to the right providers and help me raise those funds. And that's what we'll do. We'll kind of like help you get onto that track and and make sure that we build something great for the space.
0: Oh, yeah. It sounds like a plan. And I know I've heard I can't recall who it was that was wanting to build an insurance program for this, because I mean, a lot of projects, if you want your funds to be insured, I know That's something we think of with the legacy financial system that others, FDIC for us Americans, like the banks have up to like a quarter million FDIC, like insured like funds. But I also see the difficulty to kind of pivot a bit in trying to get Plutus pioneers, because as you said, it's a new language just came out. There's a bunch of projects that are wanting to build right now. You want to get in on that pioneering advantage right at the start, but there's since it's such a new language, especially with auditing, it's not only are you just ha- like trying to find people that can code Plutus, but now you're trying to find people who can code it so well that they can audit other code. So no, I,
1: I see it the is. difficulty there. I mean, it still happens within Solidity, right? So if Solidity still doesn't have, you still have audit, like tier one audits, and tier one audits isn't the brand name. That's kind of the other thing that we figured out. You have like, the reputation aspect of an audit and you have the security aspect of it, like the pure pen testing of it, you know, the pure, let's just attack this contract and see if there's any vulnerability. It depends on how you try to do this. There's so many projects out there trying to launch that I think that auditors naturally kind of evolve and adapt to that business. And I'm not sure how thorough they are on certain of them. And, and so if a project has to go through 10 audits and then still gets hacked or five audits or three audits, it kind of shows that eh, maybe we're not all doing our jobs right. And um, and again, you know, no pointing fingers here. It's no one's fault. Things can go wrong. Things can go right. But we kind of still have to take key learning from here, which is if things are still going wrong with audits in solidity, Expect things to go wrong with audits on Haskell. And um, and we still don't know who's going to be there. We were in talks with Quantstamp because we shared some investors there. Um, they audited some stuff for Iohk as well. So on the Cardano um chain itself from yeah. I think it was 2019, 2018. I don't remember exactly what year, but I know that they do have some some experience there. Um I guess that other auditors will kind of say, okay, well, if people are asking for Haskell, I better learn Haskell. But like you said, there's a learning curve um, from being like a junior and, and kind of j- jumping that to having like a PhD. We're like, we have a PhD in our team that, ha- that has been doing Haskell for 20 years, right? Cool. Um, so yeah. from, from going from from that to, to going to being like a senior expert and being able to audit, I think there's this, there's a learning curve. and um, And you know, fingers crossed that someone does come up with a solution there. In the meantime, probably you'll be able to deploy like automated tools to analyze code. Uh, you have to be very careful audit your own code. We were kind of thinking of doing like a consortium of projects so that we audit each other's codes. Um, I don't know, like you're trying to just find creative solutions to not having an audit. You know, I think that that's a oh yeah, because they can be expensive. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you have to pay the you know ask us if you have to pay the the late fees. Um, So it's like can't get it urgently. I think you, I think you sometimes we pay like twice the amount. So you pay like two oh. audits to get one within within two weeks. So uh, yeah, it's uh, audits are expensive uh, hurdle, um, but ultimately bring a lot of trust and value to the end user. So kind of like a necessary burden, I would say.
0: Oh yeah, necessary cost. I do have one last question. When can people look forward to seeing other projects on Vent Up or the Launchpad?
1: So we actually got five projects in the pipeline. Um, again, like I said, going back to like the, the aim of us, don't expect us to be like a launchpad that says, okay, we have like a thousand projects from now to end of year. We're going more for, especially at this early stage, more for like quality projects that are much more long-term than have a real utility. Um, and that might come at a bit of a, I wouldn't say cost, but it kind of comes at a, at a price of saying you won't get a launch uh, two days after our, after our idea. Um, it might take two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. Um, ultimately, we know that we've got projects aligned for December and January right now. We've got a project that's in the works for November season, um, like in mid-October or November season. Um, It's good, but like I said, we want to bring a lot of value to our end user. To bring that value and to make sure that everything is kind of on par, especially for these initial launches, we're taking the extra steps of precaution. Uh, And it's hard to say sometimes. It's like, uh, are are we missing out? Are we missing out on, on this, uh, you know, bull market, maybe, maybe a bit. Um, it'd be fantastic to have like 10 projects to launch. But if the project's terrible, I'm not, I'm not sure that's beneficial for our community, right? If not, you'll just buy and sell the token. And, and we're looking for, again, the growth aspect. A project that actually has sustainability, sustainability in time and sustainability in the token itself. Um, so yeah, based on that, expect around five projects, at least from now to like, you know, quarter one of twenty twenty two um that's kind of like what we have in the space. We still haven't decided on what's the ideal number of projects to launch. It won't be just up to us. It'll be up to projects as well and how much they work. If oh, a lot course. of projects are launching out there, you know we I know that there are other launch ads that actually built other companies and then launched by their own company. Um, it's it's a good way of doing it, actually. You know, like kudos on that. I mean, it's very clever uh, for us. Ultimately, we just don't have the resources to build another company and, and kind of incubate our own company. So, well, what we'll be doing is being on the hunt for the best possible projects, being as open and as value driven as possible to kind of deliver that value to them. And ultimately, I think that that's the competition aspect that you were mentioning. Like, who wins is who brings most value to the project. And that is where we're going for, right? So we've got you know, a great member of our team, Andrew, that's like hunting for projects out there. Um, we've got other people that are researching a lot about projects, um, trying to maybe find them before they even come up with a website and a project idea. So on forums, on places like IdeaScale, we're also looking for people that are looking for projects on other chains. And kind of like, hint, hint, Polygon is one of those spaces where we're looking at, okay, this is a prominent project here. It's it's been building um, for about a year. Could it benefit from something in Cardano space? Um, and that's something that no one else can do because there's no Polygon Cardano project apart from us. And so that's really interesting because we're looking at complementing chains. Remember, we were talking about competition yeah. of chains. Now we're talking about complementing. So if Cardano holders actually get value from Polygon, I'm not sure they all still hate it as much as they do, right? Imagine oh, yeah. getting sustainable returns or sustainable, you know, I don't know, a game that you can actually use and, and play against people that are on a different chain. That's, that's super exciting, right? Um, especially for those people that actually want the best possible person on the other end. So I don't know. I think that there's, there's a lot to play with. Um, there are a lot of ideas. But there's a lot to act on as well, I must say. Um, a lot of people are talking, et cetera. I'm really looking forward to a bit of peace as well, where we, you know, I love having chats and I love having like, you know, so much exposure. But a lot of exposure also means that sometimes you work less on product. Um, And so by kind of getting a bit more peace and a bit more quiet, it's going to help projects really work on what they have because there's no wasting your time. What did you deliver in three months? And so I look forward to uh, kind of following up when we have more. I really do hope that you can kind of like... uh, I would say uh, kind of like take us, take us, take us for our word. And then if you want to be like, yo, what did you guys deliver? Um, and if we didn't deliver, then kind of be like, well, this, uh, you sh- you guys should improve, right? Because you, you said you were going to deliver. Now you haven't. Um, people need to be, hold accountable, right? If 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 the, you do hold them accountable, they'll continue to build, they'll continue to deliver value and they'll continue to grind, which is what we're looking for. People that, you know, really build something successful. So Having said that, really appreciate your time and and kind of like your your questions. I don't know if you have any last comments from from your end, but... Oh, I was just going to say, I
0: agree. I imagine there is that competitiveness between projects, but I think that a lot of people in Cardano will see the utility of Polygon and vice versa. I mean, they kind of, as you said before, they align. And many people would rather have, just to touch on the last few points, would rather have quality over quantity. No one, like, I'd rather have one or two good things to eat then for somebody to hand me a thousand things that are taste awful and just aren't healthy. Like yeah. no one wants that. So I think everyone can agree. It doesn't, even if it's just five, just five, but if it's just five products or projects, that would be better than having a thousand of which you just lose the good ones amidst the not so good ones. So again, I don't see, and I'm sure many people don't see a problem with that. And the last point I get to is I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Before we go, how can listeners get involved with what you're doing or how can people best support you and your team?
1: First is we your community project again. So join the community. That's the that's the best thing. We've got our link set up in a very simple way. You just go to vent.ec slash links and they'll like get access to all of our links. So that's like Telegram, announcement channel. Um, if you want to go on Twitter, there's a Twitter. We, everything is at Vent Finance. So it's really nice and simple. Um, please be aware of scams and bots and all this stuff. I think the people are very. I mean, it's typical, but people are very jealous and trying to scam our users. Just be very, very careful. We never ask for funds. Don't send funds anywhere. Don't send anyone your private keys. Um, but definitely send us ideas and messages and you know encouragements. Participate in any of of our AMAs that we have on Thursdays. I think that's what we're looking for. Um, it's it's a it's a really hard journey. I won't lie. It's it's a lot of painful work and painful hours. But ultimately, it's it's very rewarding when we see that community members actually appreciate what we do and, um, and that we're building something together. So, yeah, I think that that's that, that's the best way to kind of interact with us is share your thoughts, say your messages, um, you know, hold us accountable for what we do and, uh, yeah. And see you on the chat, I guess.
0: Oh, again, we'll have all the links down below and right below us. You'll be able to see some links as well. Again, thank you so much, Lucas, for taking the time. It's really been a pleasure.
1: Likewise, mate. Have a great one. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys. Also leave us a five-star review. And if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo. Send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure to check out our new podcast website on crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to take some time to thank our sponsors. First are our Patreons over on the Cardano Combo Patreon page. Their direct contributions help to make this podcast possible. By becoming a Patreon, you gain amazing benefits such as access to polls to help decide the content of upcoming episodes, early access to videos, roles and benefits within the Discord server, and so much more. Our second sponsor is Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and are looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That's Loops, L-O-O-P-S. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.